I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I heard you've been watching Ken Burns' documentaries. You've been getting into the Hemingway one. Yeah, we finished it. How was it? What three episodes? Yeah, three um, pretty long, pretty pretty intense episodes. I kind of got to a point like I need to still watch TV, but I was just sick of watching garbage, and I would like let's watch and learn, you know. And uh, Hemingway's he's an interesting guy. It's interesting. I've never been like drawn to his writing, but as a person, I'm fascinated by. I'm actually just fascinated by artists and sort of their methods and their madness. And he really, yeah, he's a heavy dude. It's it's intense. That's interesting, like what you're saying there about how you're fascinated by artists and the kind of the way they go about things. So when you're watching it, are you kind of framing a lot of what you're learning about in context of like your own creativity and your own process? I find there to be a lot of similarities between artists, um, you know, becoming reclusive when you're working. And I think most artists deal with a certain level of depression. And I think that there's, you know, every, every person, every human I know has demons. Sometimes when you go into the process of creativity, your demons are almost amplified. And so for Hemingway, it was really like, I mean, he ended up killing himself. So, and that was something that ran in his family. So I was just like, for some reason, I didn't know that he committed suicide. I thought he, I thought something else happened, but um, yeah. Yeah. The only reason I remember it is because he bought the shotgun from Abercrombie and Fitch, which is now like the Hollis oh, clothing really? store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow because they started off they, they were talk. like a gun um yeah like a gun i don't know what you call it gun merchant what's the, the term for someone who sells a guns? gun seller a gun <laughs> distributor i don't know yeah i'm not that's not right <laughs> how old was he actually when the time came um you know i think he was in his 60s i believe or maybe even a little older but it was just kind of uh he'd seen so much success he was just at a point where he was living the character of Hemingway, the way people imagined him rather than being himself. So he's always performing out in public. He was always like the drunk, loud entertainer who was, I don't know, it was just a tragic, it was ended up being just a tragic story. And it's kind of like, you know, we talk about that as a band on tour. When you meet fans, you don't want to disappoint them because that person you are on stage is obviously, you can't keep that up. I'm not like head banging and like screaming when I meet people. I'm just like, what's up? <laughs> And so there's always that, like, we're all, I think everyone is a little self-conscious that you're like not living up to certain expectations. And I think he felt that, Hemingway felt that on like a whole another level. Do you kind of develop tools to deal with that? Like as you go on and you do it more often? Um, Well, it's been a while, so I think I'm going to have to (laughs) figure it out again. Um, I think I just have come to learn that my quirkiness and my awkwardness is what makes me relatable. You know, so I always remind myself that like, oh, if I'm, stumbling over words or I'm overwhelmed by love from fans or I'm, you know, getting a coffee in my pajamas and someone's like, let's take a picture. I'm just like, okay, like, let's embrace the awkwardness of this, you know? 
Channel the awkward energy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to kind of think about that. You know what you're saying there about that idea of your persona on stage and it being slightly different. When you're going on stage, how do you get yourself into that mindset? Do you, are there certain things you have to do consciously to kind of separate the onstage you from the real you? I mean, I look forward to the onstage me because off stage, I'm like, I don't know. There's just like, there's something that I get out on stage. It's a give and a take between the audience. This is like, honestly, this cathartic healing between both sides. So I look forward to that. But I think to prepare, I mean, I wear pretty, I wear like, I get in my cat suit basically <laughs> and I'm, I would, I wear baggy clothes, you know, off stage. So there's that element. I really like, there's something empowering about what I wear on stage and feeling sexy and all these things I honestly don't feel off stage. And then uh, we normally like, I mean, the, the energy of the band huddling up before is something we always do. And we say something ridiculous and just go out there and just give it. And there's, <laughs> You can't, yeah, you can't really prepare for it. You're just like, once you walk out and you feel the crowd, you're like, let's go. Just that instantaneous <laughs> kind of burst of energy hits you. Yeah, 100%. It's interesting as well to kind of look at the last two records and the last record in particular in terms of the way that it's some of your kind of most raw and honest and kind of open lyricism and music to date. And on the last record in particular, you're kind of taking center stage vocally. And I know when you started off, you were wearing masks. You used to wear those Venetian masks when you were playing shows in New York. Yeah. That yeah. Could that person at that time see a path to get to the point where you're at now, where you're able to be so fearless and so open in your music? No, that person, um, that ter- it's baby steps, you know? I honestly didn't even know if I could do the band at that point. I was so, I had such bad stage fright. And I honestly just wasn't comfortable I was so aware of being like watched and I felt like I was being judged on stage. I just was really insecure with the idea of being looked at like that. And I think the more I embraced being looked at and, and, and the idea of showing my fear, the more comfortable I got, but it takes doing something every day. It's like we were going on stage every day and every day I was sort of like, I don't know if I can do this. And I actually just did um, an interview for my friend's book, which is about sort of like, taking steps to finding who you are as an artist. And I was like, it really is practice. Like it, for me, it was, it was, you know, every day facing that fear. It didn't happen overnight. There wasn't like this aha moment, but every day I was like, oh, if I like unclasp my hand a little right now and like lift it up when I'm feeling that note, that actually, I sing it louder. I feel the music like the way I do privately, you know? And so there was just, these little, I mean, it was like micro changes until I finally was like, oh, and now I don't think about that. I don't have to think about what I'm doing. I can actually just be so in the moment. It's probably the most in the moment I am is like the most present is when I'm on stage. How close can you get to that when you're recording? Is that something you're kind of striving for in that setting, that same in the moment feeling? Well, this album, we recorded everything predominantly live in the studio and not having a producer in there, just it being the band and our friend Richie who engineered and co-produced with us. Like there was a freedom in making mistakes and accepting mistakes, which happens live. You know, if we hit a bunk note on a guitar or I like my voice cracked, we actually were like, that's beautiful. Like, let's show that. That's what this album's about. Um, it's and completely so that unique was, to that time. Like, yeah, that'll never exactly. happen again in exactly the same way. Exactly. Uh, even though it's now I'm like sort of, you know, you fall in love with the mistakes and you're like, oh, I want to I want to do that again, <laughs> but you can't. And I love that. I love that about this album. This album was just like, I kind of stepped into who I feel like I became on stage um, as a writer. I found my voice during this album. You know, it's taken me 12 years in this band to really sink in and find my voice. And I mean, my closest friends who called me, you know, before we dropped it, I sent it to them and they were like, dude, this sounds just like you. Like, this sounds like you. You're not like singing super high. And it's like what you're talking about sounds like, I mean, it just was really, it's exciting to be myself. (laughs) That's interesting as well, because your voice is doing so many different things on the record. Like you go through a lot of different styles. Yeah, no, I mean, I do, but I, um, there's a place that it sits that feels really honest. And I was also writing, I think I, I, like I write a lot. I imagine, I mean, I have a, crazy imagination and a lot of our previous records were sort of living in a space that wasn't entirely me which is really fun but in this album i just wrote 
you know, it was like diary entries. When you said it's like diary entries, when were they dated over quite a long period of time or when was it predominantly written? Um, a lot of this album was actually written, funny enough, right before we wrote Healer. Some of the songs were written, um, they were written up at my parents' house, the whole band. We all took a trip up north to Northern California and uh, my parents were away and we just sort of like took all the furniture out of the house and set up. I mean, if they saw the place, they would have been like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> but we just stayed up all night and wrote, I think there was something about being home and being with, you know, my best friends and being out, in, they live out in nature. It was just like, there's a combination of things, but I just felt really comfortable. And yeah, I don't know. It just, the, the songs just came out really like they came out, like we all wrote like together, which was a really beautiful thing, like jam through jamming. And then the lyrics came out immediately like i wasn't sitting and writing in a corner on a piece of paper i was just like everything came together once which was really beautiful how how long was that after you finished healer well no we we actually hadn't started healer we brought a lot of those songs to our producer dave siddick and he was like i don't know and the label was like you sound way too aggressive hannah like this is not <laughs> and like christian's not singing enough and it's funny because christian like he it's he's amazing this way he has like no ego it's bizarre but I remember have, I was just talking to him and was like, yo, it's crazy. I'm singing a lot of these songs, like lead on a lot of these songs in these albums. And he's like, I know this is what we've been working towards. Like, this is what he's like to see my wife crushing it. He's like, this is the dream. And I always wonder like if the tables were turned and I was singing predominantly lead. And then all of a sudden Christian singing lead, if I would be that cool. Or if I'd be like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to write some songs that I'm going to sing lead on. <laughs> I don't know. So you do you say you were writing them kind of in tandem? The songs all came kind of came out of the same batch. Yeah, a lot of them did. Yeah, Oxygen Swimming didn't, and um, actually, Deleter, which is on Healer, was part of that batch. It's interesting because um, what's the last song on Healer again? Uh, oh, that one. Um, uh, uh, this is everything I ever wanted. Yeah, this is it. That's from that batch as well. It's in because that feels like a song that's very much about living in the moment. Yeah, and that's the final song on Healer, and then the album you follow up with. All the songs are about kind of being in the moment and they're very present and very there. Yeah, you got it. That, I think you're the first person I've actually told like the honest story to because I think a lot of people, um, and we love this because this piece was recorded during the pandemic and there is like this angsty, you know, feeling because we thought it was just the perfect time to put it out. But these were written a while ago, a lot of them. Did you say Oxygen Swimming was written after? Was that a pandemic song? No, Oxygen Swimming was actually the first song Chris and I wrote after our daughter was born. Wow. Yeah. And I was going through some, I was like, I don't know if I could be an artist and a mom. Like, and then one night we just like our daughter went to sleep and we went out on the deck and in LA and wrote like six songs that night and oxygen swimming was one of them. And it was just a voice memo. And when we were um, in the studio doing this is this, that we like pulled up the voice memo and I was just like, we should record the song. How, how long after having your daughter, when were you able to be, you know, be creative again? How long did you kind of have to take? I think that was like four months after. So it's an interesting one because you kind of have, I think it's the verses are almost talking about these intimate memories that you have. And then the chorus is almost looking at you as this tiny thing in like the kind of context of the universe. That's correct. I mean, that is, I think that uh, the chorus is really how I was like starting to feel for the first time. I was aware that we were like, we, there was a time we were all walking towards the same place in life. Like, oh, we're, we're only here for a blip. I really didn't live that way until I had a daughter. And then I was like, oh, shit, like time runs out. I'm like, <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think I was looking back and yeah, just taking in that moment. So did the, that broader idea that was in the chorus, did that come first? And then that was what prompted you to kind of look at these intimate memories from your life? Um, yeah, I think that is what happened. I actually it was Christian who was really singing We're Just Oxygen Swimming and the verses came. So, I mean, we write so bizarrely simultaneously. We're so, we're like Siamese twins or something. <laughs> you know, like once a, a, the right chord is struck, we're both writing pretty immediately. It's awesome. And are you aware of what he's writing at that point? Or are you kind of separately working on it? No, we're writing together. Okay. And it's like, we were just actually, we just moved into a new spot this weekend and we wrote music in it. We were like, we have to write in this house. So we were writing songs last night and I was just like, you know, sometimes I wonder if there's, it's the energy of a space or whatever, but it's honestly, it's us together and moving into new places is always so inspiring, creates like a new sound for us. So I'm like, oh, 
we're just starting to hear the direction of the next album. It, it kind of comes back to, uh, you know, we're talking about Hemingway at the start. Yeah. That's someone who was very aware of that as well. He, you know, he would move around quite a lot to try and get these new perspectives on life. That was part of the documentary where I was like, oh God. I mean, the similar, <laughs> you know, just because there's such a darkness behind him that I'm, I was trying to just like latch on to like, well, we had it that was similar in, in the lighter parts of Hemingway. But yeah, moving, the beautiful part about moving is, you know, new smells, new tastes, everything's amplified when you move somewhere new, new people. It's like, it's really fun. It's a really creative energy. So I do, I do miss that. Like we touring was sort of gave me that fix. And that's funny during the pandemic, we've moved twice. (laughs) (laughs) Touring is a good way of getting it though, because you kind of don't have to completely readjust your life, but you can still have that experience. Totally. Except when we're on tour, we're like, we could totally live here. We should move here. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever lived abroad? I lived in Berlin. I lived in Berlin for a year with my best friend. I was painting. I was painting. I mean, you know, before this band, I was a painter full time. So that was like, that was the goal. And I was out in Berlin painting, getting ready for a show. And it was an amazing time there because a lot of places you kind of paid what you could afford. So you go into a bar and like drink all night and then give like two bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking of painting, I saw you did, you brought out a beer with a new record. That's right. And you did, you did the design on it, right? Yeah, I did. That's interesting to me because when you're, had you tasted the beer before you did the design? Yeah, we actually helped um, make the beer with the brewery which was, I knew nothing about. And I felt like everything smelled like weed. And they're like, yeah, actually, there's a lot of similarities. I was like, this whole place smells like weed. This is crazy. <laughs> when you're coming out with that design, are you kind of thinking back to the taste? Is that, what, is that what's kind of inspiring the, the uh, visual side to it? You know, I was actually, I've been doing these, um, I guess I would call them tags almost, but since the band started, I've been doing these two, this like broken heart. But when you look at it, it's two people kissing. And uh, I've been doing that in like every dressing room sometimes outside of venues, sometimes on street signs, whatever. I've been kind of tagging them, I guess, all over the world. And I started realizing like it was a really cool way of almost branding things that Group Love does. So I think we'll be seeing a lot more. So that was just the first thing. I've been asked to do a mural in Atlanta. I'm going to do the heart, the two, the broken heart. And I just want it to be like, yeah, this like beautiful symbol that like Group Love's been here on everything. So I'm actually trying to do a pair of Crocs right now, which I think is sort of... the croc phase but i think it's sort of um it's actually funny because i i reached out to crocs to do them and the next day they dropped the post malone croc and it like sold out in like 10 hours and i was like oh i guess this isn't an original idea at all crocs are coming uh, back i think kanye often walks about in crocs doesn't he yeah i mean kanye his whole thing (laughs) whatever kanye wears he's like you know he's in nude colored flesh tone colored sweatsuits all the time and crocs and a million dollars worth of chains. I, I mean, I personally love his style. It's a wild one. Yeah, I like the minimalism of it. The way that he kind of took very simple designs and made them accessible to everyone. Like if Yeezy just put out a white t-shirt, although it's a easy t-shirt, it then kind of makes it cool for anyone who can just go out and buy a $5 white t-shirt. Totally. To put it on. It's kind of making excess style accessible for everyone. I agree. And I also, yeah, as long as you don't buy his line, it's, access- it's accessible <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> when... Uh, when you're leaving those kind of signs, when you're going around on tour or whatever, are you spray painting them or how are you kind of leaving them behind? I use these, um, these crank markers that are like, they're like, you can etch windows actually with them, which I don't do because that's not cool. But uh, yeah, I, I, if you look up KR, he was like, he's an amazing graffiti artist based in New York and he designed this ink that is pretty beautiful. And I have a lot of his pens. I saw you did, uh, you did a collage as well for the vinyl. Yeah. With what were the images in it actually? Was it kind of just all you and photos taken from throughout the process? Yeah, it was photos from the whole process. We have our daughter in there and sort of friends that helped out, like brought us food or band members, girlfriends, or, you know, people that just sort of like kept us going during this time. Cause we actually self funded this album. Yeah, there was a lot of like secrets being kept from the world and a lot of people that needed to help us out to like, you know, put us up, feed us, things like that. So. It's sort of a, a mix of that and then just the debauchery that happens while creating an album. <laughs> <laughs> did, did making it ever feel like a collage process? Because like we were talking earlier on about how your voice is doing a lot of different things in it. Even like section wise, in the middle of songs, you'll like completely change style and it's very like rap and it's got that momentum about it that does kind of have that slight collage feel to it sometimes. I mean, I love the way you said that because I, I, I love, I, I think of like music and sort of life as an art piece in a way. but. Um, I think also that's just the way 
I feel like from one moment I could be, you know, super chill and the next moment, you know, you could experience something and you're just in a completely different emotional state. So that's definitely where we write from as a band. Just that kind of those rapidly changing emotions. Yeah. Just being crazy people. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the same place you tap into when you're doing painting? Like are the music and painting tapping into the same place inside of you? Now they are. Yeah. Um, But when I paint, you know, there's this show, I can't remember it, but it was like probably an early 2000s show about kids um, with like magical powers. And there's this one dude who could paint the future. I remember when I saw him, and I'm not saying I have magical powers at all, so don't take it that way, but uh, his eyes roll back and he will like, we'll paint this painting of the future and then he'll come back and he'll be like, oh my God, like Jenny's going to die, you know, and he can like see it because he painted it. But I feel like when I'm painting, I, I, it's almost like I black out. Like I can't explain my process to anyone. I have, you know, and I, a color palette maybe and um, an idea, but really I'll like come out of it and be like, you know, step back. Hopefully by that point, I haven't ruined the piece because sometimes I overpaint things and I'll just like, whatever. But I really do go into this total state of, I, I mean, I don't know, I just get lost in it. And it's, um, it's super important for me to paint and just go there. It's like, I think it's deeper than meditation because there's no, fo- I don't have to focus to do it. You know, I just get lost and it keeps me sane. Is it almost like ego death or something? Is it just like thoughts? Is that what's going through your mind? And like no real awareness of kind of the actual physical surrounding you're in. Yeah, it is like that. And it's like that. And that's super similar to when I'm writing with the band. Like I've done, um, you know, writing sessions with other people and stuff, you know, that the label's like, this would be so good for you. You should go write with blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> honestly, I'm in there and I'm just like, this does not feel um, creative to me at all. It feels like a workshop because for me to be, and Christian's the same way, like, for us to write, we have to be, feel super safe and like, feel like we're in a place, you know, with people that genuinely we can go anywhere and it's okay. Like we could start crying or we could start screaming or we could, you know, be violent, (laughs) whatever it is. And it's, and people, there's no judgment that actually people are excited about putting that truth into things. I think around strangers, they're like, dude, please get out of the room. Do you, if you go back and look at what you wrote in that session, though, is there quite a noticeable difference in the, like the, um, the art itself? Well, there was a song on our last album that Chris and I wrote with Taylor Parks on Healer, and it's called Ahead of Myself. It's about, you know, a debaucherous night out. And we actually, we had a great time with this. I mean, Taylor Parks is amazing. And it's one of the few times I've actually done it. And also that we've used a song. Normally we'll give the song to another artist or it was a, it was just like an intense, it's, it was almost like a, I don't know, it was just such a different approach to writing and I appreciate the experience and I loved meeting Taylor, but I, I probably will never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because my whole thing is like, I'm, and our band is to say, we're, we're trying to be artists to be artists, to get closer to the source, you know, like get to know ourselves and, and, and always be growing. The goal is not to write hits. I mean, if that happens along the way, that's fucking awesome. But the goal is to genuinely, yeah, tap into our subconscious and yeah, just get to know ourselves and what, what we're trying to say. And so going in with a stranger, I think for some people it's a beautiful thing, but for me, I'm, I really am not trying to, we're, there's no goal to write the next tongue tied, you know? Yeah. It's almost too structured when you go into that environment. Yeah. It's, it's like, what is this? This is like, <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know, be kind of being told you four hours to go write a song. There's just like, that's not, that's not the way I work. I I've never worked that way. It's like, I, I wasn't someone who like got home from school and could start my homework and I'd be done by dinner time. Like I was like, I just, I, I can only really work when it's like when I'm in the right space. So I, I have a lot of friends, actually a lot of writer friends that they sit down and they write a song every day for the practice of it. And um, I tried that for a minute. I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost because it has to like build up a little bit, like whatever you're tapping into, you kind of have to let it accumulate. So if you're using it every day, you're just burning it out. Yeah, I totally. And I also feel like, and this sounds like creepy to some people, but sometimes we're also like a vessel and something comes into us and you have to be there and ready for that moment to like take the song in. Like sometimes I feel like songs were like just given to us out of nowhere. I'll just like sit down at the piano. I can like, I honestly can barely play instruments and I write a lot of songs on instruments. And then Christian's like, you recorded that, right? Because he knows I'll never be able to play it again. It's bizarre. I wrote a song called Broken Angel and it, I, I kind of blacked out and wrote it and then we recorded it. We were like, oh, this is, 
this just came into me and it was kind of intense. But I think that's, that also happens where you just like, yeah, you're, we're kind of like vessels for, I don't want to say spirits, but sometimes I think that way. That feeling you get in that space, is that similar to what you were saying about your painting earlier on when you're kind of just channeling it? Yeah, I think it is. It is similar to that. It's hard to put into words because it really is just an, like it's a feeling and it like, it's an energy that kind of takes over you, you know? Is there anything you have to do to protect that space and kind of preserve it? Yeah, I mean, I think I, ha- I have a conversation with the band every time we're in the studio, which is sort of like, yo, and that this is like, I don't think of myself as an uptight person, but I think knowing when people are coming and going in a room is really important for me. Like if someone's like girlfriend drops by or like a homie bringing weed over or whatever it is, you know, like that can interrupt an entire thing. Like once it's interrupted, it's gone. You don't just go back in and you're like, okay, let's work on that. Like it's sort of, if in the, if you're in the momentum of writing and it's interrupted, I don't normally get that back. So like, if I'm going to go in and paint, I'll be like, don't let nobody come in until I come out. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that's just how it is. Is there anything you can do to get back to that space or is it completely gone? Can you recapture that energy like maybe later on in the day or is like not just in that moment in terms of cutting off that train of thought, but is that you done for the day once it's taken you out at that point? I mean, sometimes I have to say it's good and I'm actually grateful to be taken out of it, whether I take myself out or someone comes in. Because then if I'm painting in particular and I've been in there for a while, I can step back and look what I've been doing and then reapproach it with a song. It's actually very hard for me to get back into it, especially in the early stages when you're just working something out. Because there's something that just gets lost. Like that's, it's a certain vibration that I can't find again, especially being so like, I just don't, I don't know how to play instruments well enough to kind of get back into it. So I'll be like hearing something and it will be building and I'll be finding it. And if it gets interrupted, yeah, it just disappears. Wow. Are you, when you're in that space, are you structuring the song? Or is it just one kind of continuous stream of consciousness? I, it's, it's like I can see the song, but I'm not really sure where I'm going with it yet. I can, but I, there's like some, a part of me that already knows what's happening. It's, it's like things that happen simultaneously. It's, it's really hard to explain, but it's almost like I see it in um, colors as at the same time as I, I can feel it coming together. And it's just about hitting those notes and that melody at the same time is that you know we're talking about if you get interrupted it's quite delicate and you can be taking out of it very easily if you're working on it and you're trying to get to this point and you can see it in front of you and you take a wrong step by accident and go slightly in the wrong direction can that have the same effect or can you get back on the right path no if it's just me i can normally get back on the right path it just depends if i have the energy to you know sometimes i'm like oh my god this is exhausting (laughs) but sometimes it's so effortless and i The challenge for me is to stick with it when it's not effortless, you know, because then really amazing things can happen. And also, if I am, you know, there are times where I'm like, oh, this is a really cool or really beautiful chorus, but I'm not writing out the verse. That's a great time for me to bring it to Christian or go in with the band or whatever, you know. But I have to say the thing that was special about This Is This is that we wrote that collectively and at the same time as a five piece which is something you know a lot of our albums christian will write a song and bring it in i'll write a song bring it in we'll write a song together and bring it in so there's a fracturedness to it and this because it was written except for oxygen swimming this was honestly written all together so there's this energy and this like there was something really really satisfying because it, it took it to a new level like having the drums and the bass and the guitar and all of it coming together and just us all like looking at each other and being like, holy shit, like this is awesome. And there, <laughs> there was honestly, it was, it felt kind of like a once in a lifetime experience the way it was happening. It was like we were given this album. We kind of get a peek into that at the end of, is it Deadline? You kind of have the studio sound looking in. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. versus <laughs> laughing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is that just a byproduct of you like recording all the time? Like what you were saying earlier on about how you have to catch the idea because you won't be able to get to them again. Is that something you just pick yeah. up on that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's sort of, I mean, it also just like the looseness of just being together because the truth about group love and the reason that this band works is because we really are best friends. And when we can go, we go in the studio, we can drop the ego, you know, and all listen to each other. So to make that work, we have, we hang out all the time. We, you know, drink together and we know each other's families and we know each other's, you know, we know everything about each other. It's like someone's going through the shit. I know it. I know what's happening. You know, there's no like, we don't come in and we're just like people who haven't seen each other and it's like a session, you know, 
we're like, we go from someone's house into the studio and start writing. So we're just continuing the hang. And that has always been the thing about this band is like, it's never been a job and it makes the music. That's why I think each of our albums, it's maybe so different, but also like, I feel this growth, you know, and we're 10 years, 11, 12 years into the band and we're, we're growing. There's no like, there's no like looking back for us. Yeah. What you're saying as well about how you, you know, you'll hang out outside of like recording sessions and stuff. It helps to keep it healthy. Like if you only saw each other when you were in that really intense experience, it could be tough to kind of keep the, the closest of the band on the right track, I think. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, fr- it's really like friendship. It, it comes first to make the music. It has to be there, you know, and that safety and that like, it's important for me to know like, oh, yeah, they got, he's in a huge fight with his girlfriend and he's having a shitty day. Like, let's go into the studio and write. That's actually going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, but it's also like, it helps us understand each other. And also we know when people need that outlet. And honestly, that outlet leads to a lot of great writing. Will you have conversations about those things? You know, you use the example, they're like someone's having a shitty time with their girlfriend. Will you have conversations about that before you make the music? Or is that something that kind of, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. I wonder if it just came out in the music yeah, yeah. first, maybe. I mean, it could. We could be like writing and someone could be like not playing with the group and we'd go outside and like hang out for a minute and then it comes out, you know, like, dude, you know, or I mean, it's just like friendship. It's like, you don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen on a phone call before you get, they get to the studio. It could, it could be me being like, dude, I'm my daughter, like Willa, since we've moved here, she hates thunder and lightning storms. That's literally a new thing for us. I mean, if you hear them in this house at night, it just keeps her up. So I haven't been sleeping as well. So I'll be like, yeah, I'm really tired. My voice sounds rough. And the guys are like, good, let's get in the <laughs> studio. We love when your voice sounds rough. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Is that a big thing in Atlanta? Thunderstorms? Yeah, it's crazy. It's actually something I wasn't um, fully aware of. I actually love uh, dramatic weather. So it's great. But um, from a you know five-year-old's perspective, I think it's, it's pretty scary. It sounds like there's like a monster on the roof shaking the house sometimes do you get like a lot of natural because i know in la you've kind of got wildfires and earthquakes and all that jazz (laughs) is there as much of that in atlanta or is it no there's a lot of rain which i love and there's a lot of yeah thunder and lightning and um there was like a tornado warning two weeks ago right um so new things but I, i think earthquakes you know growing up in california those are terrifying when you wake up and all your photos are on the floor and you're windows are cracked and you know things like that that's really scary you pick the territory and you go with it <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm sure there's some crazy weather stuff where you are no flooding i bet well yeah if you're in the lowlands not i no, i don't think as much as america like we're really lucky that we don't have any natural disasters really there's no chance of really having earthquakes or tsunamis or tornadoes or hurricanes here it's pretty chill but then the well, d- get over here, man. Come experience <laughs> this. <laughs> the downside to that is it just rains all the time. So we just get slightly yeah. bad weather all the time instead of crazy weather now and again. Yeah. I love the rain because it really makes you, after being in LA for so long, it really makes you appreciate those beautiful days. You're like, I'm getting outside. And then rain gives me, you know, a double excuse to stay in and work. <laughs> work in parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're talking a lot about the kind of, the the atmosphere when you're in the room and you're making the record was danny miller in the studio with you when she came on to collaborate on the track she wasn't no. but i wish she was no it was too like pandemic-y of a time you know and we were actually in atlanta and she was in la so but how sick is that i mean do you know danny miller do you know surfport and stuff i wasn't not, i wasn't familiar with him before i had um, heard her on the song because i don't know if it's so big over here yeah no i think actually her band is like just catching on but just as a as an entity, as an oracle, she is a phenomenal person. And so just um, getting her energy on this album in particular was so sick. When did you know she was going to come on it? When I DM'd her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had no, we just had a bunch of mutual friends. And actually, that's probably the only real thing I like about uh, Instagram is just the ability to connect with people that you're like, I mean, what are you, you going to lose at this point? It's just like your face you're a person who I really, you know, I hear a lot about, I know through a bunch of people, like I'm going to DM you. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, you want to be on this track? You want to write a, a verse? And she was like, hell yeah, make art. Hell yeah. That, that was her <laughs> response. Something just, and then she did it. And that was, I mean, it was really that simple. We're trying to make a music video right now, actually see if we can 
<laughs> get the funds together to fly her out here. So was that, did she lay down her verse before you went in the studio or after? Did you leave the space for it? Yeah, we left a space for it. Did you know when you were writing Seagulls as well that it wasn't going to have a chorus? I mean, I mean, that song just in general is a whole energy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. You know, that's one of those songs that it was just written on the spot and we just kept it exactly the way it was. Like there was, I don't even know if there was an attempt to change that. I mean, I will tell you that we have a song. Um, it's on uh, Spreading Rumors. It's a bonus track. I don't know if you know the song, but it's called Beans on Pizza. I've not heard it. Have you ever heard that song? Okay, let's like I won't say it right now. I'll say sorry, but it's 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 basically this psychedelic trip about putting beans on pizza. One of the lyrics is like, "Why did you spray tan inside the watermelon? Why are you gonna kill the mosquito?" The whole song was like a five a.m. We were faded and we were writing the song, and we were like, "Let's come back to it and write good lyrics." <laughs> and it was one of those songs like we couldn't. We couldn't change it once it, it was just too much there. It's like, just the hook is why you putting beans on my pizza. <laughs> and we're like, this is so dumb, but it's become like a, you know, a group love cult classic now. And uh, there's something in the first things you say, you know, I know I heard that yesterday by the Beatles was originally scrambled eggs. I don't know if this is a true story. Yeah, he heard it in his dream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He heard it. Scrambled eggs. And then he finally figured out put it to like, you know, beautiful lyrics. I wish that I could go back and change the lyrics, but for some reason, once it's in, like, and it's funny, I often, I don't know if other musicians do this, but I, maybe it's because you, you're starving in the studio a lot of the time, but like, I have another song that we've never released because it's about, um, it's basically like the line is like, why do you look like a blueberry muffin? At least you look like something. And I'm like, this is not, these are not lyrics. Like, this is nothing. But the melody is so good. So. If I can just figure that out. Have you ever been able to do that? Kind of go back and change the lyrics? Uh, not really, honestly. Christian can do that. Christian's like a master at um, doing anything. <laughs> but I, I haven't gotten to that level. I really am some, someone who, um, you know, believes in the honesty of the moment. And I am working on, it's hard because I, I believe like when you're really in a place, you are writing from a truth you know but there's something about crafting too and i'm just not much of a crafter a builder i wonder if that comes from your background in painting as well because if you think about when you put paint on a canvas you can paint over it kind of but you can't take it away again in the same way you're saying you can yeah. change your lyrics it's kind of a weird parallel there i like i like you that's great <laughs> yeah i think that is i honestly i do think that is something i i hate when i overpaint painting i hate it like stopping before it's done to me is so much more beautiful and revealing of the process than overpainting something and covering up you know what i honestly i that's what i love about this is this to bring it back to the music is it's just there's no we haven't covered up the marks you know it's, it's it is what it is there's no like overdubbing and it's just that's what it is we did that in the studio predominantly live you know i love that and i think just getting i mean who knows maybe our next album's just going to be like one note and a vocal <laughs> it's going to be breaking it down but it's just interesting because we were looking back we're actually we've been doing this these live streams these monthly live streams on um called this is this moment on momenthouse.com <laughs> anyway <laughs> and uh we're about to play tomorrow night actually the whole spreading rumors album front to back and just going back and listening to it i was like wow i mean it's it's amazing I love how different each album is, but it's amazing how much we put on that album. Like there's a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of harmonies, you know, there's a lot of vocal doubles. There's a lot of double guitar. There's a lot of effects and reverb and delay, whatever. There's just a lot going on. And I'm wondering if it's cause we didn't, you know, maybe we didn't fully know what we were trying to make yet or what we, were, what we sounded like. We were really new at the time. But then if that's where you were at the time, there's something honest in that. Exactly. And so, yeah. <laughs> this is why you're great. This is why. <laughs> how We kind of touched on it a little bit, but how did you manage to keep this a secret? I think a lot of it was that, you know, we just put out an album. I'm just going to be so honest with you. So we put, just put out an album with our label and they have an 18-month clause where you can only put out an album every 18 months. And so we were like, let's self-fund this. We want to make music right now. Like this is the only thing that's going to keep us sort of sane and allow us to all see each other. And so we, um, we started selling, you know, handmade 
I, we found like a guy who would silkscreen my art in LA and we started making stuff that our fans were buying and we started, you know, donating half of the proceeds to charity and the other half to making this album, flying us out to Atlanta. Our bass player has a studio, which is really, really lucky. Another part of the reason we moved here. I think we were just able to keep it a secret because no one knew about it. You know, that was the whole thing. Also, I deleted my Instagram at that time. (laughs) (laughs) That was the whole thing. (laughs) How come you got it back? I got it back because the very honest reason is I was told by my manager that uh, I need to get it back. (laughs) The hustle. Yeah, the hustle. He was like, dude, he's like, it's cool to be mysterious, but it's cooler to keep your fans informed. And I do, I love our fans and I love being, you know, having my own Instagram to have like that female perspective and to let people know what I'm doing on the visual side and blah, blah, blah. So it, you know, it's enjoyable. It's just also addictive. And I do feel as an artist, it genuinely is a huge waste of time. It's a, it, like the amount of shit that you could be making instead of promoting is blows my mind. And now we're about to get on this TikTok thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you see me, please call me. If you see me jumping into outfits on TikTok, just be like, what are you doing, Hannah? Like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm concerned that I could be, you know, painting or making a zine or being with my daughter or learning a language, <laughs> you know, just doing something. And then, then like, you know, taking the perfect selfie. So it's like, so I'm, I'm trying to use it at the platform as a different way. Like I want to just be engaged with our fans who are so cool. And a lot of them who I go back and forth with have been around since day one. So it does feel like family. So I felt like when I deleted it, I like kind of lost touch with family. It'd be interesting to try and think about how you could make art through it. Cause I don't think we've kind of fully explored that yet. No. Like, although we use it to kind of share our stuff, it's mostly sharing to other places that like we've never really figured out a way to properly make art through social media. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we actually were doing something that I think is going to be um, pretty interesting that's coming up and I'll share with you. We're not, we haven't told, I don't think we've really told anyone yet, maybe on this Twitter live thing I did, but um, we're about to do like a, you know, a 10 year celebration, never trust a happy song, which has tongue tied on it. And I have this wrap on Tongue Tide and um, we're going to take it out and then put it up on TikTok and Instagram and have people submit their own wraps on it. And then we're going to re-release the track with the winner. I like that. Is that sick? So I just think, first of all, I love like the voice in American Idol. Like I have this deep, that's like my, that's like my secret. Um, now, not a secret, but I, you know, I love new talent. I really do. I love discovering people i guess on the voice and stuff you're discovering with millions of people but i i just love the idea of someone unexpected maybe someone's going to sing on it maybe someone's going to yodel on it maybe someone's going to rap on you know i don't know but something that takes the song to a new level i think is really exciting and that and tongue tied is just like that's not even our song anymore so let's see let's see what happens are they going to write new stuff for it or are they going to try and morph what's already there they can write whatever they want there's going to be that space those bars for wherever that rap is you know and they can do whatever they want in that so maybe it's a sick guitar solo i don't know i think whatever we we're going to like collectively as a band sort of just like go through them all and all compare lists and whoever has the same one you know will be the winner when did you when did you get on tiktok um I mean, we're kind of on it. We're about to like really get on it. <laughs> <laughs> about to fully commit. I mean, we went through the TikTok, like we went to the TikTok headquarters in LA. And I just remember being like, uh, we were getting a tour and the student was like, I mean, it's crazy. Like kids are editing videos for like nine or 10 hours a day and putting them on. And I was like, I don't think that's a good thing personally, because I think that you could be writing or creating your own documentary with that much time every day on an app. You could make a full blown feature you could learn how to become a filmmaker you could <laughs> and i and i understand i understand it's these 30 sec. it's like this platform that's and it is fun and it's addictive it's another rabbit hole to go down but i also think that um you know really getting good at something dope is special <laughs> especially if you're putting in nine or ten hours a day yeah exactly like i've been i've kind of been doing that through this um last lockdown since christmas with this and if I look back at where yeah. I was at at Christmas and where I'm at now, just by putting in that time every day, it's mental. Like if you do that just for like yeah. a few months, like the progression is huge. Exactly. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And look what you have now. You have this amazing podcast that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy though. Like it's a beautiful thing though. You're sharing, 
people's stories, you know, you're getting, it's just like, I, I think, I know a lot of people make money on TikTok. I know a lot of people, you know, they make a living on that. That's it's a very small minority, thing, though. but it's, yeah, I know exactly. And then there's sort of like everyone else who's just like on it. And I have to say, you know, as someone who's successful and I have my own life and I make art and stuff, like if I'm on social media too much, I feel depressed. Like I do. It's a depressing, it's not like, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't get that high that I get from actually making something. So. Yeah. I guess just because it feels like wasted time. Exactly. Like it's almost like, I was actually speaking to someone about this the other day, you know, in a, it's almost a negative like inversion of what you were saying about when you're painting and you go into that state. It's a similar thing where you get sucked in and you'll scroll, but you don't remember what you looked at. You're kind of just empty as you're looking through it and not really processing anything. And also, it's a lot of it is like, it's not real timeline. Someone posting a picture of themselves in Maui on vacation could be three years ago. And you're like, fuck, I'm in my house and it's pouring rain. I've been here for five weeks in lockdown. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's funny because my label is like, oh, it'd be so cool if you like just set up your phone and go on TikTok and like show people your process of painting. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not because also just I'll be aware of the camera in the room. Yeah. How would you get in the zone if you were doing that? I don't think, I don't know if I could. I mean, if Christian like snuck in and said, I mean, it's the whole thing, the whole, like the magic of the art, the like demystifying the artist. I'm just like, why do we need to do that? Why do you need to know if I'm eating avocado toast for breakfast? Like, (laughs) why do we need to know what everyone's doing all the time? Yeah. Just oversharing. Oversharing on so many levels. Yeah. (laughs) Did you write shake that ass post or pre the visit to the TikTok headquarters? When did that song kind of emerge? Uh, that's a that's a good question. I actually have no sense of when that song kind of came to be, but I I do know it's like sort of being like, yeah, I'm part of this world, and also I'm mocking it. You know, there's like there's a duality to that song where I'm sort of like, yeah, fuck it, shake your ass on camera, but also like, why are we shaking our ass on camera? <laughs> <laughs> Having an existential crisis as you're doing it. <laughs> totally. I mean, I think that's that that is my experience with the internet all the time. <laughs> We uh, we spoke about right back at the beginning that when you went up to kind of initially write it, it was at your parents' house out in the countryside? Yeah. There was a quote from you that I really liked that I read in an interview where you said that love inspires you, acts of kindness and deep friendships inspire you, Mother Nature inspires you, and silence inspires you. Mother Nature we could look at as the your parents' house kind of being out in the countryside slightly. Where do you feel you got the other three on this record? Well... I mean, friendship is obviously right there and and deep friendships. That's, that is something that, you know, just trust and building on that regularly. It's, I mean, I have some friends, I feel blessed where I don't need to keep in constant contact, but there's a beauty in um, my friendship with these guys. That's just an everyday, you know, we trudge through it together and we've, we, you know, there've been so many waves, but the goal is always to be close and no and keep each other just up to date so that's a beautiful thing that i'm like forever grateful for the first one what did i say love yeah love was the first one yeah i mean love is love is how i like to approach life you know with yeah i mean i find it inspiring when i see when i feel that love when i'm i don't know love is just it's a vibration so if i can live in that space it's inspiring and i think it first comes from me setting that example and then it's a ripple effect, you know, like at the end of a group love show, I can feel the love in the whole room. That's the, that's group love. Like the whole show, all our whole audience, the whole goal is we're trying to make a giant world of group love, you know? And was my last one silence? Cause silence, that is a yeah. rare, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, silence is inspiring because when you quiet the noise, that's when the magic bubbles up, you know? So I, I meditate every day, which I find to be really important. I walk, um, also, and I actually write a lot of songs without instruments when I'm walking. And I recently found out that is how Bjork writes as well. She goes on these really crazy long hikes and writes a lot of melodies that way. So I found that interesting. But yeah, silence and, and painting. Like I paint in silence most of the time. Or I paint, this is super weird. I put on one song and I paint to it for hours. So I sort of lose track of time within that world. Where where do you go when you're in the city for silence if you're going for a walk? Where do I go? Yeah. Can you find silence in the city? 
if you're in Atlanta now? Are you a little bit out? Or are you quite central or where about are you? No, we're, we're a little bit outside. So we're actually, um, we live right on a river. And so I can actually hike up the river now. Beautiful. I mean, this is at like three, this is the past three days. So <laughs> we just moved here. <laughs> we were in a little area called Decatur, which is also, um, funnily enough, I found myself walking almost every day through the cemetery. And I found it really, I mean, it was beautiful because it, it was the most dramatic place of like watching the seasons change. But there was also something this like, you know, there's something beautiful about all, I don't know, all these really, really old graves. And then this weird thing is I'd send, I'd find a lot of my friends' last names. I mean, and I'd send them <laughs> pictures and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, th thinking of you, tombstone with your name on it. <laughs> It is, there is a word, I used to stay by a necropolis when I was in Glasgow and I would often go up and walk around it and it's an atmosphere like nowhere else, it's weird. Like it's kind of peaceful it and it's silent but you also get this like very present sense of your own mortality. Totally. Is, is this the proudest you've been after finishing a group of albums? Yeah, I mean I think it is. I, it is on so many levels. The beauty in putting out something without overthinking it is also sort of the scariest because you haven't covered anything up. Yeah, so that honesty I'm definitely the most proud of. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 